Hello, everybody. Thank you once again for joining me on tonight. Man, you guys have been showing out week after week. I'm so thankful for all the comments, all the shares. You guys are amazing. Once again, go ahead and drop in the room. Let us know where you're from. If this is your first time watching or if this is your fifth time because you are now joining us for lesson five of this Try Me series. I'm so thankful to have you joining us on tonight. And I have a word customized for heaven just for you. So if we could, can we go to Genesis chapter 25? Genesis chapter 25, we're going to read a few passages of Scripture. This is probably a familiar story depending on uh, where you are in your faith journey. Genesis chapter 25, verse 27 through 34. The text starts off by saying, So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter. A man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. And Esau, and Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now Jacob cooked the stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Somebody say foolish. <laughs> then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils, then he ate and drank, arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Our verse of importance, our clause of concern, and where we're going to park on tonight for the time that we have together takes residence in verse 30. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Thank you, God, for this moment. We thank you for this hour. We thank you for the privilege of coming together and cracking open your text so that we can learn more about you, so that we can discover all that you have called us to be for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you say amen? Now listen, every week we come out, I usually give you like a short review. I'm not doing that tonight. I'm not doing that tonight because I have so much content and intel to share with you. We are now in lesson number five of our Try Me series. If you missed part one, part two, and definitely if you missed part three and part four, the language of a queen and the language and leading of a king, I'm going to need you to go back and watch those messages because they have like generational deliverance on them. They're going to change your life. But look, tonight I would like to talk from this topic around this thought I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. Can I get somebody to drop a comment in the room and say, you look tired. <laughs> you look tired. You look, you look tired. I'm tired of this. And I firmly feel as though this is a mandatory word so that it could help us when we hit seasons of being tired and exhausted and how to also prevent us from experiencing burnout, right? Because if I just be honest, I believe sometimes going to the next level is tied to you getting tired of this level. 
Sometimes going to the next level is tied to you getting tired of the anxiety at this level, the depression at this level, the fear at this level, the insecurities at this level. Listen, I'm cool with taking tests. I just can't deal with taking the same test. Can I keep going? I'm cool with taking tests. I just can't take the same test from the same teacher. <laughs> I'm cool with taking tests, but I just can't deal with taking the same test from the same teacher in the same class. I'm cool with taking tests, but I can't deal with taking the same test from the same teacher in the same class over the same subject. I got one more. I'm cool with taking tests, but I just can't take the same test from the same teacher over in the same class over the same subject and keep making the same grade. After a while, I want to pass. I'm tired, and, tired of staying in undergrad. I want to go to grad school. I want to grow. And there's a reason why the fifth grade chair and the pre-K chair are different sizes. Because as the years pass by and as the months pass by, there are certain places that you should not still be able to sit. I'm tired of this. Are y'all ready? I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the devil tormenting my mind with negative thought after negative thought. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of having a mindset that constantly keeps creating scenarios. Have you ever thought yourself angry? Nothing happened, but due to this scenario that you have created in your mind, you find yourself upset and you find yourself frustrated and you find yourself angry due to your thought patterns. I'm tired of this. Yeah, I'm tired of circling the same mountain week after week and month after month and year after year. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of smiling outwardly, but inwardly I'm having an emotion of typhoons churn in my soul. I'm tired of this. I'm so tired of, yeah, I speak the language. How you doing? I'm great. I'm cool. I'm good, and if you're churchy, you'll say, I'm blessed and highly favored. But if you were to be honest and just shame the devil, you'd be like, you know what? I got some internal wars in here. I, I, I have some internal static in here. I have some internal storms in here. If I were to tell the truth, I got some trust issues. I have some anxiety. I have a lust issue. I'm tired of my spouse. I'm wondering if I married the wrong one. My teenage daughter is getting on my nerves, and I have all these insecurities that I keep projecting on other people. And then I say, is that they came at me some type of way? But truth is, I really feel some type of way about myself. So now every person I encounter, has to deal with the residue of my own insecurity, the afterbirth of my own insecurity. How am I feeling? I'm tired of this. We're going to help somebody on the night. I'm tired of hitting roadblock after roadblock. I'm tired of entering into new years after new years and new months after new months and still have the same struggle. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of entertaining distraction after distraction. My faith has me praying for Boaz, but my loneliness keeps making me entertain Bozo. <laughs> I'm tired of this. I'm tired of sitting on the edge of the bed with somebody I'm not married to, just committed a sexual act that I said I wouldn't do anymore, and I'm in the shower, and it seems as though the dial is not clean enough. It seems as though the dove is not clean enough because I'm disgusted with myself, and I feel all these emotions. I'm tired of that feeling. I'm tired of this. Can somebody say, I'm tired of this? I'm tired of it. If I just be honest, I'm tired of having church as usual. 
Listen, I don't believe we're supposed to have a typical, average, mundane church experience. You didn't log on to have a live stream that's just a program. No, you want to feel some power. I don't want to just have a service. I want to have an encounter. I want to know God for myself. I want to have a true experience with him. I believe miracles can still happen. I believe freedom can still happen. If the anointing breaks yokes every single time I feast on the word of God, or every single time I hear an anointed preacher from heaven, something should break I'm tired of the average I'm tired of the mundane and I'm tired I'm especially tired of making decisions that are detrimental for my purpose have you ever looked back on the X and you ask yourself what in the heaven was I thinking what in the promised land what in the Pharaoh what in the wilderness what in the whole Holy Ghost was I thinking and they're not even that cute and I wasn't even really feeling them in the beginning. How in the world did I fall for somebody so hard that I wasn't even feeling originally? <laughs> somebody say, I'm tired of this. I just firmly feel we have to get to a place where I'm tired of the typical, I'm tired of the average, I'm tired of the mundane. Because once you get tired of average, then you begin to crave extraordinary. I just firmly believe, y'all have to excuse me, I'm a, hungry preach, I'm a hungry preacher, and I'm supposed to reach hungry people who are hungering and thirst after righteousness, who are hungering and thirsting after God, who hunger and thirst after the gospel, who hunger and thirst after encouragement, and also hunger and thirst for conviction, and then also hunger and thirst for the rod, and then also hunger and thirst for the wrath, the wrath of the staff. I just want to be able to be in a position where I can pursue God with my whole heart. Somebody say, I'm tired of this. See, listen, church, I believe there is a tactic. There is a strategy of a satanic military science, if you will, that the devil uses in an attempt to steal and rob us of joy. Yeah, there's a strategy that the enemy uses to burglarize us of our peace, our contentment, our commitment, our relational intelligence and faith. And it's not always by demonic oppression. It's not always by storms. It's not always by trial, but rather it's by getting you exhausted, tired, weary, because the devil knows you cannot be continuously mentally exhausted. Please hear me. You cannot be continuously mentally exhausted and spiritually woke at the same time. You cannot experience prolonged tiredness and be spiritually alert at the same time. Because hear me, continued tiredness creates a soul infection. Listen, I'm not just up here preaching some religious rhetoric. This is something that I experienced in the natural that taught me something in the spiritual. Whenever I allow life to consume me with this demands and responsibilities, and I am not getting the proper amount of rest, replenishment, and refueling, Jerry gets sick. <laughs> because busyness weakens the immune system. Listen, so I discovered every single time that I go through day to day exhausted and week to week exhausted, the more frequent I would get sick. And it's the same thing with your faith. It's the same thing with your faith because the devil is not looking necessarily to knock you out. He's looking to wear you out. He, he's not even concerned about rounds one through six. 
He's worried about rounds seven through, seven through 12. And a lot of us, we're so caught up with not trying to get burned that we're overlooking what we're inhaling. It's not about the fire, it's about the smoke. Because the smoke will kill you before the fire will ever burn you. And so we feel as, just as like, as long as I'm not doing it, I'm okay. Not recognizing it's not the fire that gets you, it's the smoke. It's not about the hook, it's the bait. And so the devil knows, like, listen, I can't take their faith, right? I could attack their faith. But since I really can't take their faith, what if I can give them exhausted faith? This is good. Why are you coming out so strong? Because this is necessary. I'm trying to get us to get to a place where we don't keep hitting burnout, spiritual burnout, marital burnout, burned out in our singleness, burned out in your workout regimen, burned out in your spirituality. We have to get to a place where we have some endurance. And so he's like, listen, if I can't take their faith, maybe I can give them exhausted faith because then their faith will have a cold. Did you hear what I just said? I can't take their faith. But maybe if I could wear down their faith and get them to have exhausted faith, they'll have faith with the cold. So saved and sealed, but mentally sick. Saved and sealed, but weary hearted. Saved and sealed, but infected with emotional influenza. Because we're walking around exhausted and malnourished. And whenever we walk around exhausted and malnourished, we'll always exchange our birthright for some stew. Preach Holy Ghost. We'll exchange our birthright for some stew. Our marriage for some stew. Our peace of mind for some stew. Our purity for some stew. Our reputation for some stew. Our notoriety for some stew. It all is centered around you probably don't need to quit, but you might need a nap. <laughs> Maybe it's not as deep as you're making it. Could you just be exhausted, tired? And then others of us, you know why you're so tired? Because you're trying to carry God weight. God changes people, not you. God changes people, not you. And so you're trying to lift weights that you were never designed to carry. You are trying to lift weights that you were never designed to carry. And you have allowed somebody else's trauma to become your chaos. You don't have to get wet from a storm that is not yours. Woo! I'm going to say that again. You don't have to get wet from a storm that's not yours. And a lot of us care more about somebody who has no contribution to our destiny, no contribution to our oil, no contribution to our assignment, and you're trying to get them to see that you're significant. You're trying to help them, but they don't want your help, and it's exhausting. That's why you're tired. That's why you feel like giving up. Listen. This is why we keep losing fights that we think we should be winning. Because God, God is obligated to help you win fights that matter to him. But he's not obligated to help you win fights that matter to you. Oh, Lord, you're about to get in trouble now. Yeah, yeah, God is obligated to help you win fights that make him look good, that give him glory. But he's not obligated to help you win fights that make you look good. And that give you glory. So you fighting for position, and God's like, that don't even matter to me. As long as me and you on good terms, that's all that matters. You fighting because you're trying to get your name out there, and God's like, as long as I know your name. As long as you listen, being known by me is what I call well-known. I know your name. They don't know your name. In fact, 
In fact, I give you favor with people who matter. This is about to set somebody free. If you don't have favor with them, a lot of us are exhausted because you're trying to get people to notice you. You're trying to get them to see your work. You're trying to get them to see what you can do. And they not even stunt you. And they not even paying you any attention. And I came here tonight to let you know God gives you favor with people who matter. If they don't see how awesome you are, if they don't see how creative your work is, if they don't see how innovative you are, they must not matter to your destiny. Because God gives you favor with people who matter. Put in a room, they don't even matter. That's not arrogance. It's just understanding that I'm just trying to go where the oil is. You got to have this Ruth type of posture. Ruth was like, listen, I'm going to go in whoever field in whom sight I find favor. So if I don't have favor in that field, I must not be for you. If I don't have favor in that field, you must not be for me. And I'm not trying to take your position. I'm only after what God has placed me in. God is not obligated to help you win fights that matter to you. But he is obligated to help you win fights that matter to him. And I want you to consider how dangerous it is for us to go through day-to-day life exhausted and malnourished. Please hear me. Whenever a man is walking through life hungry, everything looks good. Did you hear what I just said? Whenever you're walking through life hungry, everything looks good. Look, stuff that normally wouldn't even be a temptation. I know I'm preaching. Stuff that wouldn't even be a temptation to you now is tempting you, not because you don't know who you are, not because you don't know your value, not because you don't have significance, not because you forgot who you are for a second, but you're walking around hungry. You're walking around hungry, and so now you're just entertaining things that you are not called to, okay? So I want us to get this. Please understand this. Before this whole quarantine popped off, the reason some of us kept going to the club is because we're hungry for something or you're just exhausted. Yeah, the, the reason some of us still get high, the reason some of us are still drinking, the reason some of us are still getting wasted and faded is because you're hungry for something or you're just exhausted. Yeah, the reason why some of us are still in low-key and borderline destiny-deterring relationships that you know is not God's will for your life, you know that this isn't what God has for you, you know that this is toxic, but you won't release it, is because you're hungry. You're relationally hungry. You never had a season where you just fell in love with you. You never just dated you. Some of us, you never went a season without dating anybody. You've always had a body because you're trying to get over the fact you don't like your body. So you constantly keep entertaining things and you constantly keep engaging in things because you're relationally hungry. Oh, but I know a man who knows how to edify your soul. I know a man who knows how to nourish your spirit. And if you can fall in love with him, see, listen, have you ever noticed if you go to a restaurant, you can't now, but before this whole Corona stuff popped off, you go to a restaurant, they would give you bread and water first. I'm about to shout. They will give you bread and water first. And if you like me, have you ever been so hungry that you're eating so much bread and you're drinking so much water that by the time they bring you your entree, you're so full of bread and you're so full of water, you're like, man, I should have just sat here and just ate the bread and just drank the water. Well, just a little revelation for you. Jesus is referred to as the bread of heaven. 
He's referred to as a living water. Now it makes sense when he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You won't even want that appetizer if you get the bread first. You don't even want that. Ref- you don't even want them to notice you if you get that bread first. You won't even know- want that position if you get the bread first. Maybe the problem is we're eating the entree before the bread. Gosh, I hope you're getting this. It's dangerous for us to walk around malnourished and exhausted. It's likened unto going grocery shopping while hungry. Y'all ever did that? (laughs) You risk purchasing a snack. See, listen, this is why my wife and I are so intentional about webisodes. We talk about relationships so heavy because we understand that Jesus says, okay, guard your heart. The, psalm, the, the word lets us know, guard your heart with all, diligence, with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. Now, what can affect your heart more than a relationship? Parental relationships, working relationships, church relationships. Nothing has the strength to really affect your heart like the people you do life with. And so we talk about all marriage relationships and singles relationships and how to grow in your relationship with God. And we got this understanding and we got this epiphany. Listen, we're trying to get people, especially unmarried, to recognize maybe you're just exhausted and maybe you're just malnourished. Because if you don't understand that reality, you could risk marrying a snack. And then you roll over years later and recognize you made a covenant with junk food. Is this too real? Is this too real? And then you discover in your marriage you can cook. (laughs) What does that mean? I know how to fulfill myself. I don't even need this no more. And I just discovered maybe you went grocery shopping while you were tired and while you were hungry. I know you ain't like that one. I'm going to get an email on that one, but it's the truth. I believe that's how mixed signals happen. If people, to be honest, when you ask them, what are we? They should say, "Um, what do you mean, what are we? I was just lonely that night. I was hungry that night, and you fed my ego. What are we? What do you mean, what are we? I was just exhausted, and that exhaustion and being quarantined over and over just caused me to reach out and text somebody that I saved in my contact, but I should have deleted. Is that too real? Listen, let's go to Genesis 25. Genesis 25, verse 30 to 32. It says, and Esau said to Jacob, please feed me. With that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Many times, if you don't understand this, when your spirit is hungry, everything else becomes weary. Did you hear what I said? When your spirit is hungry, everything else becomes weary. Then Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. What is this birthright to me? Are you crazy? You know what a birthright was? A birthright is your inheritance. It's like land money, and everything that comes with your inheritance. So you saying, what does my inheritance? (laughs) What does my money? What does my marriage? What does my fatherhood? What does my reputation? What does my peace of mind? What does mental stillness? What does being able to sleep at night? What does being able to like what I see in the mirror have to do with what I'm feeling right now? Because... When you're hungry, you don't use logic. Listen, did you hear what I just said? When you're hungry, you don't use logic. I'm going to be open and transparent. There was a time in my life 
Well, I was preaching so much, preaching in this city, preaching at that church, preaching at this conference, preaching in this revival. And one day I was praying, right? And I had this whole little process. I'll pray. I'll thank God for my family. Thank God for my health and my strength. And I really want to get closer to God. God, forgive me my sins and praying for my brothers and praying for my sisters. And I'm trying to stick to my like normal prayer routine. And I just keep hearing breadcrumbs. And I ain't trying to sound deep, but it's just true. Breadcrumbs. And I couldn't really shake what that meant. And so I came out, I was telling my wife, you know, when I was in prayer, I just kept hearing breadcrumbs. Maybe that's a sermon. Maybe God wanted me to do something about breadcrumbs. And I'll pray again, and I'll just keep feeling this distraction. Have you ever noticed, if you try to pray, but you're feeling some type of way about somebody, God's like, stop all that. Uh-uh. Worship music off. Turn off Travis Green. Uh-uh. Nope. Turn them off. We need to talk. There's an elephant in the room, and you come up here talking about God is great. God is good. No, I don't want to hear none of that. Let's talk about this elephant, though. Let's talk about you not being able to sleep, though. Let's talk about how insecure you felt when they rejected you, though. Let's talk about that. So I'm like, God, what, what, are you, what are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to say to me about this whole breadcrumbs thing? And God was revealing, Jerry, you are on breadcrumbs. I wish I had a plate up here, man. You are on breadcrumbs. You are so busy giving out bread to people that your own life is left with breadcrumbs. See, you have confused sampling the meal as your meal. So you open the Bible for sermon prep and not for spending time with me. And this is how, this is how the road to being able to get burned out for infidelity, for walking away, from suicide. This is how it starts when you get so caught up with feeding but not feasting. Your life is on breadcrumbs right now. And yes, you're gifted. And yes, you're anointed. And yes, people can't see it. But this is why I gave you the Holy Spirit. Because I'm dealing with you, dealing with, you with stuff that don't nobody else know about. Because God does not get glory out of embarrassing you. I don't care what you've been taught. He does not get glory out of embarrassing you and making an example out of you. God wants you to get it right. God wants you to kill it for him. He wants your business to thrive if it gives him glory. He wants your ministry to thrive if it gives him glory. He's a good father. He wants you to excel. He wants you to succeed as long as it's about me. But we, we have to address the fact that you opening up the text to figure out what to preach and there's so many ministers and preachers and also people in the pew who are in the same way. And they have got content with living off fumes. I don't want us to live on fumes. Because when you're tired, you don't use logic. I'm looking at this text, right? And I begin to think, okay, Esau, we were reading our foundational text. The Bible says that Esau was a skillful hunter. And then if you know anything about the story, the way that his father was going to bless him is he told him to go catch some game and cook it. Somebody say cook. So this means this brother can hunt and cook. <laughs> this man is not just an all right hunter. The Bible says he has skills. This dude is cold with it. I'm thinking he probably could just get some in motion. Poof, got him. Right? So how is it that this brother gets to a point? Where you have the skills to hunt and you have the skills to cook, but you're selling everything for some lentil stew. Now, you got to put this in perspective. 
Jacob and Esau are two different, different types of men, right? Esau is daddy's boy. Jacob is mama's boy. If we can make this modern, like Esau would be on a TV show, Man vs. Wild. <laughs> Jacob would be on stuff like Cupcake Wars and Chopped. I'm thinking like, bro, if you that big brother, why don't you just beat him up? I wouldn't be like, yo, give me, I'm like, bro, give me the soup. Kick him. Do something. Don't sell your birthright. When you're exhausted, you don't use logic. And the Bible says he came in hungry. You will be surprised how many people come to church hungry. <sighs> See, I, I, don't, I don't know where it started. I don't know what religious movement we could blame for it. But I just got questions. Where did this whole fake it till you make it come from? And what the heck is church clothes? What is church clothes? Because if we don't address this, we'll have people who are spiritually starving but acting like they're full. He says he was, he was in a place where he was hungry. And when you're hungry and exhausted, you don't use logic. So I want to give you some types of exhaustion, and we're going to wrap this up. Is this good? Okay, so I believe there are really four types of exhaustion, okay? We have physical exhaustion, relational exhaustion, mental exhaustion, and spiritual exhaustion, okay? Physical, relational, mental, and spiritual, all right? So look, physical exhaustion is due to prolonged tiredness, all right? When you skip and workout regiments, you haven't been so, like, busy that you forgot to eat, like you skipping meals. You only ate one time. Somebody asked you, did you eat? I don't even know. Just find yourself so caught up in your affairs that you're not edifying yourself with self-care, okay? Sleeplessness is the fastest way to burn out. All that stuff that culture says, I'm going to sleep enough when I'm dead. That is not kingdom. God designated a whole day where he rested. We see that Jesus was asleep in a boat in the midst of a storm. And I'm like, where'd they do that at, though? Because the Bible said the waves were so great that the boat was threatening to break up. I'm like, bro, how you sleeping that hard? <laughs> how you sleeping that hard? I love sleeping in the rain, but the Bible says the boat was filling up and it was threatening to break up. I think Jesus just knocked out like, we got a water bed. This is dope. I'm like, how in the world are you sleeping in this? Until I begin to think, oh, snap. He's the prince of peace. And he told us in his word that I can give you peace that surpasses your understanding. And in that moment, he's personifying what that looks like. In the midst of a storm, I'm not moved. In the midst of the coronavirus outbreak, I'm not moved. In the midst of layoff, I'm not moved. In the midst of hardship, I'm not moved. It doesn't mean I'm not concerned, but it doesn't touch my peace meter. Anytime we find ourselves where we're not sleeping, that's the fastest way to burn out. Not just spiritually, but in your marriage, you'll be more moody because you're not sleeping. You'll be a terrible coworker because you're not resting. You'll be an awful friend because you're not resting. You'll be a terrible boss because you're not resting. It's not something that they did. It's just that sleep is the anatomy's refuel button. And there's a problem if you're more intentional with charging your phone than you do your anatomy. You have a phone charger in your wallet. You have a phone charger in your car. You have a phone charger in your purse. You have a phone charger in your house. About two, three, four of them. And then you got the extra long wire so that you can still be on your phone while you're watching Netflix. You can still be on your phone while you're watching this sermon right now. You have made an intentional effort to charge your phone. What about your anatomy? 
You will run if you see your phone on 1%. But you won't run if your physical self is so exhausted to where your eyes are twitching. Somebody say rest. Jerry, why are you talking about this? I thought this was a try me series. It is. Try rest. Maybe you're making illogical decisions because you are tired, bruh. You are tired, ma'am, and you don't need to quit. You just need a nap. You just need a vacation. This is biblical all day. Elijah ran away from Jezebel. He was tired. He was upset. He was like, God, kill me. I can't do this no more. There ain't nobody else serving you. Everybody doubt, bow down the bell. I'm the only one of your prophets. And the angel came to him and was like, bro, you just need some food and a nap. You're tired. Your journey's long. Just, just get some rest. God handled his prophet this way. If God handled his prophet this way, how do you know that due to the problems and due to the hardship of what we're going through and all the decisions you're about to make, how do you know this is maybe not stress? It's you're tired. You're tired. Point number two, relational exhaustion. This comes many times when you're surrounded by more drains than fountains. Whew. You're surrounded by more drains than fountains, and everybody expects for you to be a chef, but they never want to be a waiter. I need it, so I can't throw it. And since you don't know your self-value, you keep feeding people who only want it to go plate. This is why you're relationally exhausted. You haven't found relationship management to where you know this one only wants deposits, but I got to hang around some fountains where I could glean from. I have to hang around some people that could also edify me. The same thing for preachers. As I pour this, I got to be poured into too. Because if I don't, I'll be, able, I'll be a preacher who's great at delivering the word, but poor at the word delivering me. Exhausted. Then sometimes we're relationally exhausted due to multiple failed relationships. Because your heart wasn't made to experience breakup after breakup after breakup. This is why, I'm going to get on my soapbox, this is why you should pray for your pastor. I know you don't think about this, but you still struggling over that breakup two years ago, but pastors pour into people and they leave. You pour into them, then they leave. You pour into them, they badmouth you, give you a negative review, and then they leave. And you're doing this week after week and Sunday after Sunday and Thursday after Thursday. You need to pray for your pastor. We experience breakup all year long. Some of our day ones, some of the people that we've been cool with, some of the people that we cried with, some of the people that we married, some of the people that we buried, and you are not even recognizing we get hurt too and God dealt with me about this he said listen Jerry if you don't understand this reality you will be a physician that keeps getting sick from people's virus and I need you to be a minister to this so sound and knows me so well that you don't allow other people's Ill illness to become your sickness somebody say exhausted next one mentally exhausted this is when you're just stressed and you're trapped because you have mismanaged your mind. And there's something I'm going to talk about on Sunday that's going to be so good. A lot of us, the reason you're exhausted is due to your inner critic. You, you have this, you have like this inner critic on the inside of you. That's not good. Don't post that. That's not good. Don't upload that. No, look at this. Look at this. This is not good. You didn't dot all your eyes. You didn't cross all your T's. Who's going to like this? Why would you share this? Ain't nobody going to like this beat. Ain't nobody going to like this book. Ain't nobody going to like this sermon. And so you have this inner critic. And until you recognize that your Holy Spirit is your inner cheerleader, oh, man, is your inner coach 
that begins to let you know like, yo, I'm with you and I'm proud of you. Conviction is not God punishing you. It's saying, yo, we could do better. We could perform better. You're like, like we could pray harder. We could do this. You got this. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the grave is that same spirit that lives on the inside of you. Pick your head up, bruh. Pick your head up, sis. You gonna cry over that? Let this be the last night. Get your last box of tissue. If you can find some tissue, let this be the last night that you cry. Go ahead and cry. But after this, it's time to move on because you're so tied to your inner critic that you are not listening to the Holy Spirit. And many times that inner critic is the umbilical cord of your childhood. And you don't even recognize your inner critic is either nurtured or natured. It's something around your environment that caused you to be this way or something in the house when you were a child that caused you to be this way. And so you can never, ever step out and be free because you keep listening to that inner critic. And my son, right, I know my son wants to be like me. I have a daddy's boy. Whatever I do, he does. I wear a hat, he wears a hat. I take one shoe off just for the heck of it, he takes one shoe off. And I was looking at him one day, and I said, man, I know you want to be like me, but I want to be like you. Because my son doesn't care. He doesn't have this inner critic yet. He will come downstairs with like a Spider-Man suit on, a yellow sock, and a glove on his hand, and he says, Daddy, I'm ready to go. I'm like, what are you doing? You're not even matching. Daddy, I like it. He doesn't care what people think. Now it makes sense when he says, unless we become like a child, we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. They have, my children haven't been worried about none of this stuff at all. They're just free. And God said, I want you to be so free. And I want you to know me so much where you could rejoice with other people that rejoice. Listen, this is why some of us can't rejoice with others because you have an inner critic and you can't celebrate them because you don't even celebrate you. Don't even celebrate you. My child is free when it's time to go to sleep. Tired, he go to sleep. Some of us, you can't sleep. You have to pop pills to sleep because you allow your mind to go so much. But that childlike faith, it's time to sleep. I'm out. I'm out and I'm noticing like, man, that this, this inner critic is causing for us to never step out on faith. I've been there. I've been in the gym, right? Want to take a selfie. But then I look at this dude next to me who has like action figure type body. I mean, he's just like, pup, 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 pup. I mean, lifting weights and he's like, ah, making all this noise, right? And so I'm thinking like, okay, what would they think if they see me take a selfie? I'm nowhere near his level, but that inner critic doesn't let me see, but you're not how you used to be five months ago. And if he took a picture, you wouldn't even be thinking nothing about him. And now you are stopping doing something that you want to do because you're worried about what other people think. Maybe you're mentally exhausted because you're a mental people pleaser. Okay, got to keep going. Spiritual exhausted. It's the last one. This is when we lose an appetite of prayer, an appetite of church, appetite of devotion. And the devil's favorite word when you hit this phase is quit. What's the point? Quit. Now, I want us to understand this. The devil studies your weakness, and he will always make sure that there comes a time in your life when weakness meets opportunity. Woo! He will always make sure that there is a time in your life when your weakness meets your opportunity. This is why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, because he's a wonderful counselor. And when that time comes, when that weakness meets that opportunity, your Holy Spirit can show you the exit. So we're going to end with this, some preventative measures. Number one, how do I get free from this? You have to notice the Sabbath principle. 
okay? We don't hear preaching about the Sabbath principle. We hear people arguing about which day is the Sabbath. Is it Saturday? Is it Sunday? You hear people arguing about it. It's not about that. When do you rest? All the, I got kids. I got these jobs. How can I rest? It's a principle and violation if you don't give yourself a moment. When God rested, it's not because he was tired. He neither sleeps nor slumbered. We do. <laughs> we do. But I believe he was showing us to balance your life, to balance your emotional state, to balance your feelings. I need you to give yourself a moment. That could be a me day. That could be you going fishing. That could be you watching something on Netflix. It don't always have to be spiritual. It's just something you do to enjoy life. It don't have to be sin. You can have fun without sinning, but you have to give yourself a Sabbath, something that takes your eyes off of responsibilities for a moment. Vacation, go swimming, go jet skiing, something. First one, Sabbath principle. Second one, we have to have a vision. What do you see? Because when you don't have a vision, you can't measure your growth. So the reason a lot of us can't celebrate is because we had no goal and we can't measure how close we are to it. So I have to have a vision. Number three, no comparing. Comparing robs you of the ability, comparison robs you of the ability to perceive your season. And so back to that inner critic, you won't take that selfie because I'm comparing myself to the action figure. Be free. Just like a child, I'm not worried about anybody else. This is what I like. Somebody say comparison. Okay. Next one, a sharpened focus. You see how the camera's blurry right now? This is how a lot of us go through life, blurry. Blurry, we can't see things clear, so we date the wrong people, we take the wrong opportunities, we engage in the wrong opportunities because you're going through life blurry. But when you sharpen your focus, this is when you can see things clearly. And God wants us to go through life where I can see clearly because I'm focused on the right thing. Please hear me. When you're not focused, distractions look like opportunities. Number five, continuous gratitude. Find something to be thankful for. If you could just go downstairs and eat some chips, be thankful for it. Because there's somebody who can't do it. Continuous gratitude. Number six, lose weight. And I'm not talking about just physical. There's some weight that a lot of us carry because of what we're thinking, because of some people that we're around. I know that we're swift to go to the gym to try to lose weight, but there might be a relational weight. There might be an addictive weight, something on your life that's keeping you feeling pressured. Okay. Number seven, serve with wisdom. There's power in saying no. And sometimes you have to be able to recognize, I could do this, I can't, I could do this, I could do this, but I can't do that because that's my Sabbath. That's not being selfish. That's being able to be in a place where you don't walk through life malnourished and exhausted. And last one, consume spiritual vitamins. Daily. I recommend listening to the Try Me series. I recommend reading devotions. I recommend spending at least 45 minutes in prayer. If you're not there yet, start with 10. It don't matter where you're at. Just continue to have some type of spiritual routine where I constantly am growing in the Lord so that when that time does come, when the enemy presents that weakness and that opportunity, you're on so much vitamins that you're so healthy in your spirit that you won't consume what's not good for your soul. So, Father, we thank you for this word. We hear you, God. Help us to be people who rest in you, 
rest in you and help us to get our hands off the wheel. Many times, God, we're control freaks. We think we can control outcomes. We think that we can control what happens, but God, ultimately, you are in the driver's seat. Maybe the reason our ship is sinking is because we're in your seat. Become the captain, God. Become the captain of our life. Become the captain of our soul. Become the captain of our mind. And maybe instead of trying busyness, we should try to rest. Because maybe while we're trying to make moves, you're trying to break chains. In Jesus' name we pray.